Well, this morning I want to start out with a survey. But most of you are not going to be able to participate. This is a survey for everyone who's 18 or younger. Five questions in the survey. You don't need to write them down, but I at least want you to begin thinking along these lines. Number one, do you think your parents understand you? Do you think your parents understand you? Number two, do you think your parents understand what you're going through? Number three, would you you consider your parents good decision makers? Number four, would you consider your parents fair? Number five, is the word cool a word you would use to describe your parents? Well, we'll come back to the survey in just a little while, but I think I've done what I wanted to do, and that is to get all of you young people thinking about your parents and to get you thinking about how you think about them and what your relationship is like with them. Because what we're going to do this morning is we're going to open our Bibles. I'm going to invite you to do that now to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to study Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 through 3 where God has something to say to you who are children about your relationship with your parents. And He does have a certain plan laid out for you. And He does have uh, certain specific commands even for you. I'll call them duties for you to follow. So today's a children's sermon. It's all about you today. Uh, I grew up hearing children's sermons from a guy in a backwards collar and a robe. And uh, usually they seem to be more biblical than anything else. But, uh, so I, I don't necessarily have an affection for children's sermons because of all my childhood baggage. But uh, nevertheless, today's a children's sermon. I'm not going to put my collar on anyway, but the right way. I'm not going to wear a robe or any of that kind of thing. But this is addressed to you, children. There are two commands in this passage to you. And so this is all about you, everyone else. You can take a nap, you can take notes, um, you can listen because you may have children someday and you can better understand them. Uh, you can listen because you have children and you can better understand them. You can listen because you have grandchildren. You get the idea. And if none of those categories fits you, you can listen, understand what children's duties are so that you can pray for them. Because we are all in this Christian life together if we're Christians and we want to bear one another's burdens. And I can imagine there are a few young people that are going to feel like they have a burden to be born. So certainly you at least want to pray for them along these lines. Two duties for Christian children toward their parents. That's our outline for this morning. That's the Apostle Paul's outline, I believe. These are two duties that all Christian children have toward their parents. Number one, obedience. The first duty you have if you're a Christian child is obedience, and it's found in verse 1. Second duty for you from God, if you're a Christian child, is honor. Honor, specifically shown toward, toward your parents in verses 2 and 3. As a church right now, we're studying through the book of Ephesians and we started in the heavenly places in chapter 1 and about all the greatness of God and His great plan for for humanity and for this world and how it's all carried out through His Son, Jesus. And it's been splendid. It's been wonderful. It's been awesome. And now we're dealing with the family because God doesn't only teach us about Himself in chapter 1 and 2 and 3 and about His plan and about His Son as awesome and amazing as all of those things are, 
ultimately, He takes those things that we learn about and He brings them into our lives. And He wants us to actually live in light of all that He's done for us. And as I've mentioned multiple times, chapters 4, 5, and 6 have been living out what we learned in 1, 2, and 3. And so, if you are a child, it's time for you too to live it out. Next week, or actually in two weeks, next week we're going to talk about war and what the Bible says about that. But in two weeks, we're going to deal with your parents. So, take yours now, and, uh, and you want to do what God wants you to do, and then we're going to sort of get in your parents' life and deal with them in a couple of weeks. So, they'll get theirs too. Don't forget, we've already talked to your mom and to your dad about their relationship with each other, and some of them have gone out of here bruised as well. We all get our turn. Uh, and I'm saying it all somewhat facetiously to the negative. Really, as believers, we want to know this, don't we? If we're truly children of God, we want to know what God has for us. We want to respond. We want, we want to live in light of who we are in Christ. And that's what today is. So take all of my negative statements as, as in fun, just to keep things light. These are the greatest things in the world. These are the things we want to know. We want to live like Christian children if we're children and Christians. So, be encouraged. Be challenged. And ultimately, you want to be godly. That's what we're going to do this morning. Let's read the passage. Ephesians 6, 1-3. through 3. It says in 6, 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And we'll stop there. First duty you have, if you're a Christian and a child, is obedience. We just saw there in verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. I think it's fair to stop and say, we better define children first of all. I think I've already done that based upon some things I've said. But just to to get rid of any kind of confusion, who's he talking about when he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord? Interestingly enough, sometimes the word children is used to refer to adult children. Most of the time it's not, but sometimes it is. I don't think that's what he's getting at here. I think the context tells us he's not talking to adult children because we're all the child of someone, right? But the context, like for specifically in verse 4, when he deals with fathers, he's going to be talking about bringing the children up. He's talking about child rearing, child raising. That's not something that happens to adult children. So I believe, based upon the context, he's talking about children who are of the age that they would be under their parents' upbringing. And that's why I said this is a survey for those of you who are 18 or under, given our culture. don't think he's talking about adult children at all. He's talking about uh, children the way we normally would think of them. Smaller children. Children who are under their parents' home and under their roof and under their leadership. Certainly this would fit with the idea that ultimately Genesis 2 tells us that, that, that a young man is to leave his father and mother and to cleave to his wife. They become one flesh. I do not believe the Bible teaches that children are committed to life to obeying their parents. To leave and cleave, certainly there's respect, certainly there's honor. But this call here, I believe, is to smaller children. And notice what kind of children these are in verse 1. You're to obey your parents in the Lord. And we've seen this a lot through Ephesians, this notion of being in Christ, united with Christ. It's, it's a synonym for being a Christian. 
You're united with Him. You're inseparable from, from Him. What He did for you, really you did spiritually because He did it for you. And so He's talking about Christian children. And we'll get to this in a minute. I think it's fair to say we would like all children to obey their parents. That's a truism, as we'll see. But this is specifically talking to Christian children. Obey your parents. It's talking about the Christian family. Husbands, wives, children, parents. Obey your parents. And then comes the command, obey. Let's dig a little bit. You might want to take some notes when it comes to this, especially you young people. Obey. Regarding the meaning of obedience, disobedience, it's doing what they say, right? It's doing what your parents say. I sat down with our kids last night on the couch, and we're going through Job right now, and it's getting pretty heavy. Maybe not the best place to start if you're a novice Bible reader with your children. We're in chapter 20-something, and it's getting pretty thick by then. And so last night we took a break, and I sat them down, and what does obey mean? And eventually they got it right. It's, It's doing what you say. That's what obedience is. But I even like the Greek word that's used here because literally it's to listen under. Translated, obey. Certainly, obedience includes listening, right? And I think there's probably a few kids, a few adults probably, that need to hear obedience has to do with listening. You've got to listen to obey. And literally, you could translate this, children, listen under your parents. It's part of obeying. You need to listen to your parents and you need to do what your parents have to say. Regarding the importance of this obedience, it's high. It's high, why? Because it comes from God, right? I'm not the motivational speaker today up here in the cheap suit saying, listen, I came up with a great idea. And this is our our club. And we get together on Sundays for our club. and, And I've got an idea. All children from now on, obey your parents. Kids, if you heard me say that, you could say, yeah, what does he know? What's the big deal with that guy? You'd be right. But as soon as we open up the Bible and say, listen... God's Word. Children, obey your parents. Obligated. It's a big deal. comes from on high. comes from God. You really do need to obey. Not because I say. Not because your parents say, you know, children, obey your parents. God's Word says, children, obey your parents. Colossians says it too, in case, you need to, in case you're not sure if it really should have been in there in Ephesians. Colossians says, in all things. Regarding the intensity of disobedience, the intensity is high. It's very high. We know it's very high because the exact same command is given to servants in verse 5. Servants, obey your masters. And maybe sometimes those of you who are children think, who do they think I am? Their servant or something? They're treating me like a servant. They tell me to do something and I'm supposed to do it. You're thinking pretty biblically. Because verse 5 gives the same command to servants. And it says, servants, obey your masters. Now, you're not a servant. You're a child and there's dignity involved. And and don't worry, when I talk to your parents next time, we'll talk about the dignity involved. But the intensity on this is very high. The frequency of this obedience is constant. This is a constant. It's a, a present tense command. You could even write that in your margin in your Bible, if your mom and dad let you do that. Children, obey. It's present. That means always obey. Be in the habit of obeying. That means you're to constantly be obeying. You're to habitually obey. This is the direction of your life. This is the pattern of your life. This means you obey when you're alone. 
This means you obey when dad's watching, mom's watching. This means you obey when you're with your friends. This means you obey when you're by yourself. Children always, always, always obey your parents. Now, some objections. I'll bet you have some of them, kids. Even if you're a godly young man or a godly young woman, in your mind you're probably thinking some interesting thoughts. I'm glad I can't read your mind. It's probably a good thing we can't read each other's minds. It's probably a good thing your parents can't see that little cartoon bubble that comes up above someone's head to to show their thoughts. Going back to that survey, I'll just use the survey questions as some of the objections. You say, but my parents don't understand me. But my parents don't understand what I'm going through. But I don't think my parents are very good decision makers, let alone them making decisions for me. But I don't think my parents are very fair. All the other boys and girls are doing it. I don't think my parents are very cool. Maybe you don't use the word cool. Maybe you use the word lame or something like that. I don't know. I'm supposed to obey, but my my parents are kind of lame. But the beauty of it is, I'll tell tell you kids, I'm trying not to do anything to, to kids that I didn't do to parents and that the Bible doesn't do to me as a parent or a husband. There are no qualifiers. When we talk to... Wives, it says, wives, submit to your husbands. And it doesn't say, if you have a godly husband. Husbands, love your wives. It doesn't say, if you have a godly wife. It just says, love your wife. It's not conditioned upon anything. There are no, how about this, there are no prerequisites. Children, obey your parents, even if they're not cool. I might even agree with you. Some of you have uncool parents. You get the idea. So what if your parents aren't cool? So what, if, so what if they are lame? We'll talk about honor in a second. Big deal. So what if they don't make the best decisions in life? Unless they're calling you to do something sinfully or something sinful, guess what? Children, obey your parents and the Lord. That's just what you do. Uh, there's really no ands, ifs, or buts about it. I mean, no prerequisites. There it is. Obey. Now, there's a reason why. He gives us the reason in verse 1. For this is right. If our two oldest children, Jonathan and Natalie, were anywhere even close, they probably would have just interrupted and they would have chimed right in. Probably the first verse they ever learned in the Bible. In fact, last night I said, I didn't even have to go very far. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. And then I said, for it is. And they said, right. Just like that. They know the verse. It just comes naturally. But my children, like most of us, probably don't ever even stop to think about what that means. We love the sound of it. It just, it just rings true, doesn't it? For it is right. Case closed. What does that mean? For it is right. What kind of motivation is that? Well, most students of Scripture that I've come across, and I'll put myself in this category believe this is referring to something that's generally true. It's, it's what I call a truism. It's a general principle that rings true. It's just one of those things that, that everyone believes. 
generally speaking. Maybe not too many kids. <laughs> but most adults, most cultures, this is just something normal. People believe this. Maybe if you want to use more theological terms, you, should, you could say that he's referring to natural law here as opposed to divine law. If you want to be sophisticated and theological, you could say what he's referring to here is God, this is according to God's general revelation. God's special revelation being His Word, His Son, written Word, spoken Word. God's general revelation tells us when you look at creation, you look at families, you look at men, women, children, how they all function, you don't need a Bible. You don't need God to tell you. You don't need Jesus to show you. You just know, you just figure it out that children are supposed to obey their parents. I think that's what he's referring to when he says, for this is right. Everyone knows this is right. It doesn't matter what culture you're in. It doesn't matter when you live. Most people, generally speaking, especially adults, would say, this is right. This is how family functions. I think that's what he's getting at. For example, we could leave here this morning and go downtown. We can go to the airport. And we'll charter a couple of planes and we'll take a tour around the world, all of us. And we'll take this 30-stop tour, let's say, on this airplane. We'll go to all different countries. We'll talk to people of different religions, different age groups, different backgrounds, all different kinds of people. And guess what we're going to find? Generally speaking, all of those people believe that children should obey their parents. That's what we're going to find. Then we can come back on our 30-stop tour and we can all meet together again and, and you know, patch up any conflict that may have occurred throughout the whole traveling experience. And, and, and then when we're all godly again, we'll take a time machine, if there is such a thing, and there isn't. But let's say we can take a time machine. We're going to rent a couple of those. And we're going to go back in time and we're going to go back 200 years. We're going to go back 500 years. We're going to go back 1,000 years. We're going to go back 2,000 years, 3,000 years. You get the idea. Different people, different cultures, we're going to find the same thing. As a rule of thumb, people believe in different cultures, everyone believes, children are supposed to obey their parents. You don't need the Bible to tell you that. You don't need Jesus to tell you that. The great thing is the Bible does tell us this, but I think what he's getting at is it's, it's the right thing to do. It's a truism. And so now, Christian children, if you're here today, you're obviously the target audience, you profess to be a Christian, and you're a child. Certainly, if it's right even to people who aren't Christians, and people who don't know what the Bible says, and they don't know the Lord, this is a tremendous, tremendous argument for you to do it. Because Ephesians 1, we learned that, that you... You've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. God, God, is, God is lavished. He's poured out. If you, maybe a better word since it's a children's sermon. God, God has taken his, his bowl of blessing and He's just dumped it on you. You have so many blessings. You have all the blessings you'd ever need. You have all the spiritual tools you would ever need to live a godly Christian life, including obeying your parents. See, you know something. You have something that all these unbelievers who think it's also true to obey their parents, they don't have. And if you're a Christian, you have the, the Spirit of God that indwells you and empowers you to do the right thing. You have the Bible. You know it's the right thing. All that to say, it's really important for you to obey. Because even people who don't know the Lord obey. At least they know it's the right thing to do. 
Think about some of the kids in your neighborhood who, who, who don't know the Lord. They're not Christians. Do they always obey? Ha. <laughs> None of us do. But do you think they know that they should obey their parents? Do you think their parents know that they, uh, they at least want their child to obey them? Absolutely. And now here you are. A Christian child. And you know that God has said to obey. And He's giving you all the tools, all the resources that you need to spiritually live your life and to obey your parents. So it becomes all the more important for you young people who are Christians to obey. Because you can obey. Quite frankly, the unbeliever in the end can't really maintain any kind of level of obedience. But you can because God has enabled you to do, to do that. It's hard to think up anything that could be more twisted, isn't it? More perverted than having a Christian with all the resources, the Holy Spirit's indwelling power, we've got God's Word that's powerful, we know the right thing, we've got other examples, and we don't do it. And there are even unbelievers who do it. And there are people who've never heard of Jesus who obey their parents. That's grotesque. That's distorted. That's ugly. Like nothing else, that will ruin your Christian witness. The fancy word for that is hypocrisy. You don't want to do that. We know. We know that we know. And we know that it's right. And it's right in every culture. It's right in every time. So God says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is what? It's right. My kids do better than 300 of you. It's the right thing to do. No matter what, it's the right thing to do. Obey. God says obey. Let's move on to the next. The next duty that all Christian children have toward their parents is honor. It is honor. Chapter 6, verse 2 says, Honor your father and mother. Don't you think he's pretty much getting at the same thing here? I'd say generally he's getting at the same thing. But what I think the Apostle Paul has done is he's turned up the the volume knob. He's turned up the intensity meter. The stakes are higher. He's tightened the screws, so to speak. He's called upon a higher authority. Because what he did before is he called upon the authority of natural law. Everybody knows you're supposed to do this. That's just a truism. That's natural law. And now what he does... He turns up the intensity by calling upon a higher authority. The higher authority is divine law. You see, now we see he's quoting from God's Word. Not general revelation, special revelation. He's calling upon one of the Ten Commandments from Exodus 20, verse 12. Now, here we go, Christians. We do have God's Word. God's people have had His Word and He calls upon a text in the Old Testament and and that even carries more weight, so to speak. Generally saying the same thing. But a higher authority just so we understand that it's coming from God. But let's look at the differences. The command, just like we had a command to obey, is the command to honor. Look at it, it's right there. Honor. And like the command to obey, it's the same. It's, It's this present tense command, meaning you're always supposed to honor them. 
Always honor your parents. What's honor mean? Maybe a good synonym, another word for honor is respect. And one discovery I made that really helped me understand some of the the weight of this word for honor is the fact that the same exact Greek word is also translated at times price. Say, what does that mean? For example, Matthew 27, 9, it's translated price. It's referring to something that is valuable. Oh, that sort of helps me understand what it means to honor. It's to, it's to see them as valuable. It's to see them as something that is something or some, someone, I should say, worth something. They're of value, of significance. So when the Bible says, children, honor your father and mother, value them. Respect them as something that is, that is precious, that is valuable. When I say valuable, money. Money is valuable, right? Our, our cars are valuable. Things, things we, we consider important. And the Bible saying, consider your parents important. Honor them. Value your parents. Maybe a good way to say it, and you might want to write this down, is honor is not less than obedience. It's more than obedience. Does that make sense? It's not less than obedience. You can obey your parents and go through the motions. Okay, I'm supposed to clean my room. All right, I clean my room. Now what? Now I want you to take the trash out too. Okay, I took the trash out. Now what? Be home by 10.30. I'm home by 10.30. Now what? Is that honoring? Get along with your brother and sister. All right, fine. It's not honoring. It's dishonoring, isn't it? You can obey and not be honoring. I think the word honor is just a bigger word. It includes obedience. But it not only includes obedience, it includes it has to do with your attitude. It has everything to do with your attitude. It has to do with your heart, with what you're really doing. You're, you're valuing them. I can obey someone and have absolutely no real value for them at all. I don't consider them important. I'm supposed to obey certain laws as a civilian and a citizen of this country. But some of the laws I may not like. This is different for the Christian. This is the notion with the Christian child and parents. I'm to obey them, but I'm also to honor them, to value them. Okay, let's make it practical. How are you going to do this? How are you going to do this on a day-to-day basis? Maybe that would be a good little assignment to do if we had more time. I'd say write down specific ways that you can show honor to your parents. I'll wait. Here's my list. By speaking to them with respect. Talk to them respectfully. This little drama thing I just did, trying to give an example, had everything to do with body language and speech, right? You speak to them with respect. When you address them, you talk to them as someone you value. Or how about another one like it? By speaking about them with respect. When all of your friends are dogging their parents, ripping their parents, saying all these things about their parents, might want to cause you to think about your friends since 1 Corinthians says bad company corrupts good morals. That's a different sermon. When you're around your classmates and they're down on their parents, what do you do? 
chime in? The Bible says, honor your father and mother. Show them respect. And it's present tense, remember, so that means in front of them and when you're away from them and talking about them. Another one would be by maintaining, by maintaining a good attitude when you don't like their decisions. And the older you get, the more complex this is all going to get, right? You don't like the decision they've made? What kind of attitude do you have? You're supposed to honor them as someone who has the ability to make a decision. How about when they tell you you can't see a certain movie? When all your friends are seeing the certain movie? Maybe it's not the best decision. Maybe it is. Guess what? You're supposed to honor them either way. How about when they say, you know what, we don't want you to hang around that person anymore because of the influence they have on you? You honor them. How about when they don't want you to wear certain kinds of clothes? You honor them. When they give you advice, you honor them. Another way to honor your parents is to do what's right. They don't even have to tell you. I would even suggest that that might be one of the greatest ways you could honor your parents. Is when you choose to do the right thing and they didn't even tell you to do the right thing. It shows that you value what they've taught you. That's giving honor to them. Getting along with your brother and sister. I would imagine every single parent ever who's walked the face of this earth has had more than one child has at one point in time or another had to say, I want you to get along. We all smile, don't we? I remember, remember my sister's four years older than I am. I remember when she got a new camera, she made me cry so she could take my picture. I destroyed that picture. <laughs> Sibling rivalry is a tough thing sometimes. Honor your parents by getting along with your siblings. Because when you don't do it and they tell you to, you're not showing them honor. You're not obeying them. And it comes back to obeying them, doesn't it? Honor them by obeying them. The first time. See, actions like those, and I'm sure you can have your own list, show honor. That's all. What kind of motivating factor is involved here? There was motivation for the first duty. What about this duty? Is there a motivating factor? Absolutely. Look at verses 2 and 3. 2 goes on to say, which is the first commandment, that is of the Ten Commandments, with a promise. Honor your father and mother, he says, is the first commandment with a promise. Oh, there's motivation. All right, what is it? Let's move on to see what it says in verse 3. So that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. There's your motivation. Why should I show respect to my parents? Why should I honor them? Why should I value them and their instruction? He tells us right here. So that it will be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. I think it's, you could say this is like a proverb. Again, it's, it's, it's like a truism, a biblical truism. It's like a rule of thumb. It's an inherently biblical rule of thumb. This is a a general statement that is generally true. I don't think it's a guarantee in that sense. 
it's a, it's a life principle. If you live according to what your parents have called you to do and asked you to do, and you show them honor, generally speaking, you're going to live a good, healthy, long, enjoyable life. I think that's what he's getting at. There could be those exceptions where you're honoring to your parents and you die. And things are rough. And the Bible tells us things are going to be rough anyway. I think it's, this is like the Proverbs give us so many times, these general direction kinds of statements. It's like Proverbs 4.10. You can just listen. It says, Hear my son and accept my sayings. Pretty similar to what we've seen. Honor your father and mother. The father is saying, Hear my son and accept my sayings. And the years of your life will be many. That's a general principle. It's generally true. And for effect, let's make it negative. You could do this on your own. Let's look at verse 3. Let's say you don't honor your parents, and let's, let's distort that verse a little bit to see what he's getting at in the negative. Dishonor your father and mother so that it will be disastrous with you and that you may live a miserable life on earth. Right? You do the right thing, generally speaking, you're going to have a good life. You do the wrong thing, generally speaking, you're going to have a bad life. Turning it around reminds me of Proverbs 30, verse 17. I love it. It's so graphic. The eye that mocks a father, that is, shows dishonor to his father, and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. You get the point. Kids, maybe here's a good way to predict your life. You don't need to go to the, 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 the fortune teller. You don't need to call the number and have this person on the other end of the telephone take your money and try to tell you what your life is going to be about. You want to predict your future? A great telltale sign of whether or not you're going to have a good life is whether or not you honor your parents. A good telltale sign and you're going to get in trouble, you're going to have problems, and who knows where you're going to end up is you have a bad attitude and you show a bad attitude toward your parents. As a general principle truism, guess what? You can pretty much figure it out now. And apart from some type of, of drastic intervention, if you're dishonoring to your parents on a regular basis, that's the pattern of your life, you're going to have a bad life. I don't want a bad life. Well, you need God to intervene and you need to, to ask Him to do so, to do some drastic changing so that you can be honoring to your parents, obeying your parents, so you have a good life. Maybe some of you still need some more convincing. Let me step outside of the boundary of Ephesians 6 and offer you Two more motivators for you to honor your parents. One is inherently biblical. The other one is just common sense. Obey, honor. Why should I honor? Well, because it means you're going to have a good life. Give me some more reasons. How about this? If you say you're a Christian, that means you're a follower of Christ, right? A Christian, a follower of Jesus, a follower of Christ. And guess what Christ did? Christ honored His Father. John 8, 49, Jesus said, I honor my Father. So you say, I'm a Christian. Guess what? You're going to honor your Father. Or maybe you shouldn't say, I'm a Christian anymore. Because you're not really a follower of Christ. Right? 
That's a motivating factor. I want to be like Christ. That's what the Christian life is all about. I, I want to, now that I'm saved by Christ's uh, death in my place, and, and He rose for me, and I'm united with Him, and, and He took care of all of that, the Christian says, I, I want to live a Christ-like life. I want to do the right thing. Well, he said, I honor my Father. Certainly now I want to follow Him by honoring my father and mother. Another motivating factor, and this one is just sort of for free, You should honor your father and mother because anything less is ridiculous. I'm going to have the most fun with this one. Anything less is absolute ridiculous. Here's what I mean. You should honor your father and mother based upon all the things they've done for you. It started with your mother's morning sickness. When she became pregnant with you. And then you started to severely change her body. And then at birth, she worked harder probably than she ever worked in her life. Especially if you're number one. And probably experienced more pain than she has ever experienced in her life. Then come the sleepless nights for you. Then come your poopy diapers. And now dads get involved. Some of us. Sometimes. (laughs) And eventually the, the poopy diapers go away and now you've got 18 years of challenge. I'm not suggesting in any way, please don't leave with some type of psychological psychosis and say, oh, the pastor did this to me. I'm not suggesting it's not a labor of love. Wouldn't trade it for anything. It is a labor of love, so don't take me wrong. But please take me the right way and think, you know what? (laughs) It is ridiculous for me to think that I shouldn't honor my parents or for me to not honor my parents based upon all the things they've done for me and continue to do for me. If anyone deserves honor for anything, it's your father and your mother. Let me illustrate this for you another way. What if I were to give you something extremely valuable? Just give it to you. How would you respond? If you're any kind of person at all, you'd be thankful and you'd show me honor, right? And then what if I gave you even more good things and said, no, I want to give you more? You wouldn't be dishonoring and say, ah, get out of my face. Yeah, all right. No, you wouldn't do anything like that. You'd be honoring. You'd say, thank you. Thank you. Wow. And now that I know that he's given me good things, I'm going to be extra honoring because, you know, I'm thankful and he might even give me more good things. Did you know that the average cost of raising a child in America, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, is $767? A month? Now all of a sudden my little illustration is taking feet. $767 a month on average. Carry this out for 18 years. You have an investment in you, young people, of $165,672 per child. 
$165,672. That's huge. That's a ton of money. In fact, I would venture to say it's probably the biggest gift you will ever get in your life. I've never gotten a gift like that. And your parents are saying, here. And you're saying, attitude, attitude, attitude. Dishonor, dishonor, dishonor. That doesn't make any sense. $165,000 gift? Let me put this in kid terms. Starting with smaller kids. That would be the equivalent to 11,000 G.I. Joes. (laughs) Or Barbies. I don't want to be sexist. They're about the same price. Our our kids have too many G.I. Joes. Jonathan probably has 11. Natalie probably has 11 Barbies. They're jaded kids, I guess. I don't know. 11,000 of them? Wow! If we get a little older, some of you older kids... That would be over 165,000 Game Boy Advance SPP, SP Platinums, not even out till March. 165,000 of them. You'd probably be pretty popular at school. You might want to trade some of them in so you can have more games. But. Or it would be over 800 PlayStation 2s. Or for those of you who are older, maybe of the driving range, in the driving range. The gift your parents give to you is the equivalent, get this, to a Porsche 911 Turbo. (laughs) And for days like today, just so you don't get it messed up on the streets, just for good measure, they could throw in a Hummer H2. And it would all fit within the $165,000. Can you believe that? Can you imagine if if I pulled out my keys, I don't have my keys with me, and said, here you go. Sitting right out there for you. 911. Not the regular one, the cheap one, the turbo. You'd be falling all over yourself. I'm so thankful. Honor, 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 huh? You know? <laughs> and then I said, no, you know what? Take the keys, but you might want to leave it in the garage. You should drive the Hummer today because it's kind of cold and snowy. <clears throat> You'd have a heart attack. You put it in real life terms, it does become pretty profound. $165,000. And you cop an attitude with mom and dad? That is sick. That's sick for a pagan to do that. And I'm specifically trying to talk to those of you who say, I am a Christian. Well, if you're a Christian, then this is just all the more reason to be thankful, right? I mean, really, the Christian life for us all, not just children, is living out of thanksgiving to God for the great gift He's given us, His unspeakable gift, the gift of salvation in His Son. I mean, the reason we obey, the reason we honor, the reason we do all these things is, is response to God, not because we, we somehow there's some kind of debt. We're just responding out of thanksgiving and praise and worship. We're honoring Him. And your parents have done so much for you, not just financially. It only makes sense if you're a Christian child, which means you know what it means to show real honor, to honor your parents. Let's wrap up with this. A couple of things in closing. I don't think there's anything complicated about what we've talked about today. Just try to illustrate it to make it maybe a little bit more uh, clear in our lives. But let's, let's close with this. Let's close with this. how serious God is about this for you kids. And let's also close with how to do it. Okay? 
how serious is God about this? I mean, really, how much, should I weigh, how much weight should I feel today to do this? Well, God is so serious about children honoring their parents and obeying their parents that in the Old Testament, disobedience was associated with treason. You don't know what treason is? Treason would be uh, your turncoat. You'd turn your back on your country and your people uh, for a price. You're not loyal. You're not faithful. You're you're a, a rebel. He was so serious, he not only put it on the same level with treason, but how about this? This is one you will understand, even if you're a real young child. Idol worship. God would... Put on the same level, disobeying your parents with idol worship. Both, by the way, if you were part of the nation of Israel and were not, lucky for you, punishable by death. Disobey mom and dad, die. There's a motivating factor. We're not the nation of Israel. By the way, if we are the nation of Israel, we should do these things and you've got a real messed up theology by then if you're consistent. That's how serious God is. Punishable by death. Read about it in Deuteronomy 21 sometime. Verses 18, 19, 20, 21. Exodus 21. Leviticus 19. Deuteronomy 27. Punishable by death. God is also so serious about you obeying your parents that He equates children who don't obey their parents with unbelievers. You can read about that in Romans 1. In Romans 1, those who are under the judgment of God and God gives them over to their own sins. In the list there, Romans 1, it's in verse 30, disobedient to parents. It's in the list. So it doesn't make any sense to say, I'm Johnny Christian. I've got an attitude with my dad. It's like oil and water. It don't mix. It doesn't work. I'm a Christian. I honor God and I honor my dad and my mom. Really serious about it. And finally, how do you do this? How? Look with me in your Bible. I saw some of you put them away. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. A little bit of review and we'll close. I think when we study this particular passage, I even ask you, remind me to go back here. Because we sort of miss the point if we don't go back to chapter 5. In chapter 5, verse 18, it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. Here's the command, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he launches and explains what kind of life the Spirit-filled life is. To be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit. It's to be filled up and consumed with the Spirit. And because you are filled up and consumed with the Spirit and spiritual things, the things of God, the things of God's Word, you do right things. And then he starts into the the way you act. And then he gets into relationships. And guess what? It even deals with with the children and parents. So, if you try to obey your parents and try to honor your parents on your own, you are going to fail. We even sang about something like that this morning. You're like a car without an engine. You're that Porsche 911 turbo with no engine. Ha! 
You've got to have the engine. And the engine is Ephesians 5.18. And you've got to install that engine. And that's spirit control. That's you're in God's Word, the, the, the Word the Spirit wrote. And you're learning and you're growing and you're relying on the Spirit. And He is giving you that energy to do the right thing. And so don't try to live the Christian life, whether you're an adult or a five-year-old or anywhere in between, on your own. You simply will not do it. You've got to yield to the Spirit. Rely upon the Spirit. Pray for Him to help you. You'll need the help. You don't live with perfect parents. I know. I am an imperfect parent. We all live in dysfunctional families. You can't use that one, even if your counselor told you you could. We're all dysfunctional. We live in a fallen world, even if we're saved. But God doesn't say, obey as long as you have a functional family. Obey. Obey. Honor. God is serious about it. Wouldn't it be great if God actually helps us to do this better? Isn't that our goal? To be more glorifying to Him, to show Him more honor, to to not be hypocrites, to be lights in this world, and people see us and say, they're different. And then we have a platform to share the gospel with them. That's what we want to do. Let's do that. Let's ask God to help us do that even right now, and we'll get things closed this morning. Father, thank you for Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. And God, thank you for children. And thank you that there are many children around here that profess faith in Christ. And there are many of them who are faithfully, uh, by the help of your Spirit, living Christian lives. And it's so awesome to see that, and we're so encouraged by it. I pray that absolutely every child who's within the hearing of Ephesians 6, and who is truly a believer, would be better equipped to live a God-honoring, parent-honoring life so that Christ may be exalted and lifted up, so that you might use that even, Lord, as we try our very best to be salt and light in this world as a great evangelistic platform as well. God, it's only by your grace that any of us can do these things, whether we're parents, husbands, wives, children. Help us not to believe the the lie that somehow we can do it on our own. Make us humble, make us submissive, so that we would follow your plan and that you would receive the glory in the end because really this all is about you and not about us. In Jesus' name, amen.